Good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Let's stand to our feet. We are going to worship Jesus this morning. That is why we are here. Yes?
It is a good and right thing for us to sing together. It's, it is good because we get to, de to declare together who God is. He's a good, good father. But then we get to also declare over ourselves and each other that we are no longer a slave to fear. And that's a good thing because what happens in that, in us singing collectively, is we prepare ourselves for what God wants to do right now, in this morning, and in this week. And so this is a good thing for us to do. I can't think of any better place than to be right here, right now. So good morning. Welcome. You're here. You made it. I'm going to have you stand for just a minute longer. My name is Neely. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad you're here today. We are starting a new series called In Our House, and it's about Overlake and who it is, and Pat is starting us out, and I am so excited for that. So when you came in, in your handout, there was notes for today. You're going to want to follow along in those, but there was also this connection card in there, and I would love for you to take some time during the service to fill it out, because here's the reality. We are a family. We belong to each other. And in order for us to care well for those who we belong to, we need to know what's happening. So whether it's the little details that are changing in your life, like an address or an email, or it's the big things, the prayers, the praises, we want to come alongside and care together for each other. So take some time during the service to fill that out and drop it in the bucket at the end. But if this is your very first time here at Overlake, seriously, great Sunday to come. Because you're going to hear a little bit about who Overlake is, and you're probably going to be like, yeah, I'm in. That's what's going to happen, because it's so good. It's so exciting. I was First service was, I was like, yes, okay, let's do this thing. So I'm excited for you. So you're going to hold on, though, to this connection card, and as you leave, you'll stop by a connection center. We've got a little delicious treat for you. You know, when the weather is a little gloomy, I find that I enjoy delicious treats to make me feel better. Maybe a bad coping mechanism, but still good. And you'll have one, so just take that to the Connection Center. There are amazing people around you, and we're going to get to know each other. And I think sometimes this can be a little awkward, so I'm going to hook you up with a question before to kind of break the ice. In your house, what are the rules around Christmas music? Pre-Thanksgiving or post-Thanksgiving? Go for it. Good morning, Overlake. Good morning. I, uh, by raise of hands, who's with me in the post-Thanksgiving uh, camp? Yeah, totally, totally. I, I definitely have had friends posting things of them with their feet up, trees in the background, saying, don't judge. Uh, pretty, pretty great. Uh, well, guys, I'm Pat, one of the pastors on the Overlake team here. And, and um, I, I want to start here. I was, I was reminiscing a little bit about, about my, like, childhood years, about growing up and Spokane, Washington, in the valley, and, and thinking through, we have, we have nice, crisp, and clear falls that we enjoy, and then these nice, cold, and snowy, and beautiful winters, and, and then these summers that are just awesome, like, like they hit 100 degrees, it's just that nice, dry heat, really long days, just, just love it so much, and, 
And, it, and when I go there in my mind, what I picture is, especially in the summer times, all this time spent with like my best friend, who, who really became like a brother uh, over the course of our childhood years growing up, and uh, Ryan Renslow. And so Ryan Renslow and I would just hang out all the time. And, and I, I promise you, I was probably at his house at least as much as I was at my own house. Did anyone else have a friend like that where you just kind of let yourself in? It didn't really matter. You know, like that was just home. And, and, and so that, that's the type of relationship Ryan and I had. And, and there was a few things that were a little different when I was at Ryan's house compared to the Swanson home. And, and one uh, easy one was just there was no shoes in the house at, at the Renslow home. There was just like you took your shoes off and then you could, you know, you were free to, to roam. And at our house, I, I don't know if it's just the fact we had five kids, you know, and it was just constant state of chaos and no one would even be able to legislate like a rule like that or... Or, or whatever, but, but I always needed reminders when I, when I was at the Renslow's house to take the shoes off because I was just used to always having them on. And, 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 and the other thing, I can remember a few other things with the Renslow's is they were like the most dedicated portion control family I can remember growing up. Like whatever the suggested serving was is just what you were presented with. It was like, you know, it didn't matter if it was ice cream or whatever it was. Like... My home, you could eat yourself into a coma and you'd get like a badge of honor. It was like, if you could hold a half gallon of ice cream in one hand and a spoon in another and finish it, it was like props, you know. Uh, and so there's just some differences. And, and, and one thing in particular that I, that I think I'm just most fond of in, in just reminiscing is just the freedom at the Renslow's house to create, to just make stuff and to experiment and explore and and so really the Renzo's garage became like our laboratory where we could build like bike ramps. And, and I think my favorite thing, the thing I am most proud of making in that garage was a disco ball. We, uh, we went to Target. I don't know, you guys remember the free internet CDs from AOL, like 60 minutes of internet? We would just go or, or Hastings, whatever. We'd just grab a stack of them. We'd break them. And then we'd steal one of Ryan's sister's basketballs and hot glue all these things onto it. And, and we'd get in a little trouble. But, but uh, stuff like that was, was just so cool to, to, to just be a part of. And, 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 and that, was, that was my childhood. And so the reality of what we're looking at starting this week, moving uh, this week through the next couple weeks, is looking at what are the values? What, what makes this family different? What, what are, what are, what's the uniqueness of kind of this home or this house? And, and, and it's no different than families. You go to different families and there's just different expressions of things, different quirks, different norms, different values. And, and sometimes the same value, but maybe they're just expressed differently. And so it'll be great just uh, uh, to spend some time over the course of these couple weeks uh, to, 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 to look through those things. So here's what I want you to do. With the person next to you, find the person next to you, and you tell them one thing you know your family valued as you were growing up. Ready? Go for it. Go for it. Find, find your neighbor. Share what that is right there. Okay, that was my sneaky way of putting my password back on my Surface so that I could get it to come back on. I was like panicking. My notes were like disappeared, so we're good now. All right, all right. Well, that's great. Whatever values you had, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
I'm going to tell you about one of Overlake's values. And, and, and so if you want to follow along in your notes, uh, the first fill-in, for those of you that you just have to leave church with every fill-in with the right answer, I'm going to give it to you right here. It is the word freedom. We value freedom. We value freedom. And, 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 and I kind of want to unpack that word. I, I, don't, I, I feel like maybe there's different definitions when, when we think of the, something uh, like freedom. And so the freedom I'm talking about is rooted to this beautiful word called shalom. It's this idea and this vision of peace that pervades, of, 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 of a place, of a setting where life flourishes. Where there's, where there's like perfection, where there's goodness, where there's beauty, there's vitality. That, that, that is the freedom that I'm talking about. That's the Christian freedom that, 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 that is part of our tradition. And to talk about this and to really begin to build, I'd say, some just kind of good bedrock to stand on as we really kind of start to go into the weeds later as to the expression of this at Overlake, we got to go back. We got to go way, way back to kind of build a good foundation here. And, 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 and I'm talking, you got to go back before original sin. You got to go back, and, and, and sometimes that's where everyone starts, like the Christian story. It starts even before that. There was original goodness. There was original perfection. There was a, an original rightness and beauty that God created all things with. And, and so I want to look, uh, first verse that we're going to look at is this. Genesis 2, verse 25. Chapter 2, verse 25. And it says this. Kind of maybe a strange verse to, to preach from, but, but we'll give it a try today. It says this. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked. Circle that word naked. Circle that word right there. Honestly, I just thought it'd be funny if people circled the word naked. So that was more for me. But check this out. It'll, it'll have a purpose. It'll have a purpose. We're not done with the verse yet. We're not done. And they felt no shame. So circle the words no shame. Circle the words no shame. So naked and no shame. Circle those and, and just draw kind of this bridge between the two. And, I, and I'll... And I'll, and I'll hopefully tease this out a little bit here with, with a story. So, so right now in our home, in the Swanson home, we have a little boy who's about to turn three in like five more weeks, six more weeks, something like that. And he thinks we live in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> this kid does not know how to wear pants. He loves, we have a little two and a half foot tall, 34 pound, just blazingly white bear bruns, just streaking around at all times. And, and, and I love to chase him and just hear his squeal and he kind of, his legs get out ahead of himself. He's got to lean him back as he runs. And, and, and it's just filled with just this freedom and this joy and zero shame. Zero shame. He's just, just, he's completely vulnerable and just knows he's totally free and totally safe and totally okay and and, and completely accepted. And, and I feel like the Lord told me, like, Pat, this is what I have for you. This is, this is the type of freedom that I have for you is no shame. Total, total no shame. But with pants on still. Like, you know, but, but, but this vision of freedom. And that's really what we see is present in the garden. I mean, let me just, let me just walk through some things. And, and just kind of help build the context a little bit as to what Adam and Eve were getting to experience in this original goodness. There's no shame and total safety. Surrounded by the beauty of creation. It's seen as a place of life and possibilities, not death and danger. There's freedom to explore and create. 
tend to the expansive flora and fauna, not desiring to pillage and destroy it for all its resources. There's a freedom to partner and collaborate with one another in all of this as man and woman. There's freedom to be friends with the animals, to name them, study them, get to know them. There's absolute vulnerability with the freedom from things like fear and anxiety, danger, scarcity. There's no shame, no reason to hide, nothing to hide from. Being vulnerable was not just okay or encouraged, it was the only thing they knew. Think of just the, the, the deep trust and joy they got to experience. They got to be human beings. They weren't oppressed into becoming human doers. They got to just be in complete and utter freedom. Freedom to love God, one another, all of creation. And yes, even freedom to just love themselves. Contrast to that, that with the context that we find ourselves in. That the world is around us. And we see and we bump up against. And, and in this room, we, we, we know that there are people filled with fear and, 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 and see danger everywhere. Wary of, of maybe even their neighbor. Uncomfortable with things that are different from what they have known or grown up with. There's insecurity and criticism. Not, not just heaped on others, but then even internalized. Kind of the self-critical voice. There's shame and blame and isolation. Whatever happened to being able to be authentic and vulnerable, to be real and still know that you would be accepted and loved? What happened to the collaboration and the partnership, this idea, this vision, this, 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 this mission of, of flourishing for all? And, 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 and now there's, there's become power dynamics where, 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 where some get to, 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 to be on top while others uh, uh, don't. What happened to peace? Now there's violence in, in all different forms, whether emotional or physical or verbal or economic or ecological. And then there's death. What happened to life? And this is where each and every person longs for and needs hope. This desire for another way. This hope, this desire for peace, for shalom, for what we had talked about. This need to be saved, this longing for freedom. And so who can save us? And this is the Christian message. I'm so happy. If this is like your first time to Overlake, this is exactly what I would want you to be able to get to hear. Is that there is an answer to exactly this. Exactly this dilemma, this problem. And it has to be found in the one who made things right to begin with. Only that one can actually set things right, make things right, bring things back to a state of peace, of shalom, of flourishing. And that leads to the second fill-in. And it's this, that we have freedom because of Jesus. We have freedom because of Jesus. So I, I think like one of my, my goals is like anytime I get to, to, to preach a message that Jesus gets to be a fill-in. Like it's got to all come back to Jesus. At some point, if we're not talking about Jesus, if the lens of Jesus, if, if the theology of Jesus, if the person, the work, the mission of Jesus is not in play, then what are we doing? But it's Jesus. That it's in Jesus that we have freedom. And let me show you, uh, and, and I could pick any number of verses. I, I recognize there's like an exhaustive, just like, like so many opportunities to, to preach on this element. And, and so I, 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 I picked one from, from Colossians chapter 1, two verses here, verses 19 and 20, which reads this. It says this, 
For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus, speaking of Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You could circle the words making peace and the cross and even draw those together. Christians, we believe that, that if you want to get to know God, just get to know Jesus. If you want, if you want, if you want the correct view of, of who God is, you look at Jesus, study Jesus, follow Jesus. I, I, I have encountered so many Christians and had so many conversations, and I leave them thinking like, we would be better served if every person who follows Jesus had a more Christ-like view of God, because that is God. That's exactly it. There's no dissonance there. And what we believe is that this, this cross, plays a central, plays a pivotal role in this becoming back to freedom, in this, in this mission of shalom. That it's, that it's at the cross that peace is made, that reconciliation happens. That, that, that every, everything, track with me here. We believe that on the cross, all that is wrong, all that is opposed to, 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 to perfection, all that is opposed to goodness, all that is opposed to beauty or love, every single act or inaction, every system, every structure, every prejudice, every form of violence, every oppressive experience, all of death is absorbed on the cross. It's a coalescing of all of this throughout all of history into a singularity right there. And it's in the death of Jesus that death dies. It's in the death of Jesus that death dies. It's at the cross we see God forgives, God saves, God reconciles. Again, all things. God restores peace. And because of that, for the follower of Jesus, we live in freedom. We get this freedom of Christ. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. This is this, I don't even know how to explain it other than we get the freedom of Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're trusting and walking with him, you experience this. And the beautiful thing is, if you haven't yet, you are free to get to do it whenever you want. It could be today. But there is freedom in following Jesus. Freedom comes because of Jesus. And so now this begins to help us kind of, again, build the framework so that we can now apply this. Well, what's this look like then? As a follower of Jesus, what does freedom look like? How is this lived out? How is this expressed? And so we're going to fast forward. We started like way back in Genesis. Then we hit like kind of, kind of the whole the crossing. And now we're moving into Galatians. So if you want to follow along, everything we're going to read from here on out is the NLT. Every Bible in this room is an NLT. If, if you don't yet have one, that is, that is yours to leave here with. But we're going to be in Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. Here's what it says. Paul writes this to, to churches. And it's in a region, Galatia, like Turkey. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So he's already starting to plot out. You're free. Now, don't use your freedom to go down this track, what he calls sinful natures. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Check that out. He's saying the whole law, everything that's been written, 
And, and, and Paul, by the way, is like, is, is, has, a, has a doctorate in the law. Like, he knows it in and out. He can cite the whole thing. He's saying that whole thing, the whole law, it's summed up in this one command. Well, what is it? He says it right here, verse 14. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's quoting Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. But, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So the next feeling is this, that our freedom serves others. The word serves. Our freedom serves others. The Christian freedom changes us as a person and doesn't stop there. It radiates outward. This, this, this freedom that we walk in actually just, just informs the rest of our life and how we love others and serve others. And that's what Paul's getting at. And that's exactly what he says in, the, in, in quoting, saying the whole law is summed up in this one phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. Here's, I, I, to make sure this, this connects, another sailor story, I promise, last one. <laughs> so like a month ago, uh, Leah and I, sailor, we go to Bob's Corn Maze. I love Bob. Bob's got a good thing going up there in Snohomish. She's doing all right. So, Bob, so we're at Bob's Corn Maze on a nice, it was a Friday, clear, beautiful, sunny, sunny warm fall day, and... And so we're there, and it's just amazing. Like, he has this one area, I'd never seen something like this, massive play pit that's not filled with, like, rocks or bark or sand, but with corn kernels. I kid you not, I don't even know where he got them all. Like, like just filled, like, like, eight inches deep of corn kernels. So Sailor, you know, pops off his shoes, he jumps in there. Dad pops off his shoes, he jumps in there, you know, like it's just awesome. And, and so there's kids, everyone's playing, everyone's having fun. And then pretty soon, a few of these kids kind of gang up and they start throwing corn kernels at Sailor. Like, what's going on? And so here I am like, okay, how do I intervene here? And, you know, I'm kind of thinking and, 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 and as I'm getting ready to maybe address these kids, I see out of my peripheral vision, Mama Bear over here. Mama Bear is about to go to town on some of these kids. My place of intervention is, boom, right there at Mama Bear. Because I can just, I'm playing it out in my head. She's just grabbing kids like undies, just shoving corn kernels in there, burying them. You know, like, I'm like, okay, all right. I think this is damage control right here. But, but there's something that, 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 that we're experiencing as we grow as parents of like, I want others to love Sailor like I love Sailor. I want that. I want all of you to love Sailor like I love Sailor. Fast forward like 37 minutes. We're, we're at another part of Bob's farm. And this actually is just a sandbox. And it's got Tonka trucks and like stuff to play with and everything. And, and there's not enough for everyone. So, you know, you kind of got to share and stuff. So Sailor shows up and everything's in use. And, and, and this one kid, bless his heart, chooses to share with my son. And in this moment, I'm just like, okay, whose who's kid is this? Anybody? Who's, who's kid? I will stand in that 45-minute line to get him apple spice donuts if he wants them. Like, I will, what, what, a, a new bike? I will buy a new bike right now. College. Where does he want to go to college? Done. You know, like, because I want others to love Sailor the way I love Sailor. Paul is saying it's no different. Every single person's made in God's image. Every single person. So, so all I'm asking you to do is just love them like I love them. Can you do that? 
And, and, and God really has one of two ways he can go about seeing this through, at least the way I see it. One, he can either give us the most exhaustive rule book ever, right? Maybe a bunch of like things that could happen and then how he wants us to deal with those. And, and somehow this has to be able to transcend time and cultures and languages and traditions. And, 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 and somehow we got to be able to interpret it well and apply it well. And, and, and I have news for you. It's been tried. It's been tried. There is a law. There is a law with everything. It's incredibly exhausting. The problem with the law is everyone looks for the loophole in the law. Second option. God's like, okay, how about, that's where it comes back to the cross. This is pretty cool. How about that, 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 that spirit, that, that Holy Spirit that is me, that Holy Spirit that empowered, that guided, that directed the very life of my son, of Jesus. What if, what if the Holy Spirit could be in each and every person that's in Christ? Then maybe, then maybe the law is actually on their hearts. Then maybe this whole being informed of how to love, the law is unnecessary because the Spirit's in play. So check this out. Verse now 16 through 18. Here's what Paul says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Go ahead, circle guide. Circle that. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So that whole problem that he's saying, he's like, ah, you're free, yes. Don't go this way. Don't go down the sinful natures. Go this other direction. And he's saying, you know what? You got some help. You have an advocate. You, and, and, and it's the Spirit. So just let the Spirit guide you. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the spirit, sinful nature desires. So here again, we see these imagery or these words that are used to articulate the Spirit. The Spirit has wants for us, which can sound a little overbearing. I promise you, the things the Spirit wants for you are for you. Like for your good, for your flourishing, for your best life. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are actually not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, there's another word, directed by, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So next fill-in is this. The Holy Spirit guides us into freedom. The Holy Spirit, I, you could say that any number of ways. The Holy Spirit is leading us in freedom. The Holy Spirit is, is, is ensuring that we're walking in freedom. The Holy Spirit is the guider, the director, the giver. Like, all these roles the Spirit plays in our life, it's leading towards that of freedom. I can remember uh, still, this is coming up on 12 years ago now, when Lee and I first came to Overlake. And it wasn't, we, we, we were invited, like we got nagged to death. And that's why we showed up. It was one of my professors in Northwest just kept inviting me. And I was like, oh, okay, I got like four more classes with you. I'll just go, you know, like. And so we show up. Leah and I, we grew up in a church that maybe could fit in this section. If everyone wants to, or maybe this section. Like, yeah, I don't know. They're all about the same size. But, but much smaller is my point, right? And I, like, this, this building freaked me straight out. It was like the Battlestar Galactica. Like, this place is massive. Like, there's so many people. This is so strange. And, and so we were 
really kind of uncomfortable at first. And it wasn't coming here, and it was in listening to the messages, hearing the worship. It was in how we were greeted. It was how we just saw one another treating each other. It was, it was all of it that made us feel like there's just freedom in this place. There was no shame in doing messaging. There was no ill-conceited like self-promotion going on. There was this genuine love of others, not just locally, but globally. We were like in. It took us a little time. We definitely dated the church for a season, but then we were in. And it's been changing me ever since. Overlake, you've been changing me. You have been a part of the Spirit's work in Pat Swanson as my desires and wants continue to align more to that of the Spirit. And that's what we do as a family here. And so Paul continues here into Galatians 19 now, or chapter 5, verse 19. And he lays it out. He's, he's talking about one of these paths, one of, you know, the one that leads down these kind of these natural, sinful, fleshly desires. He says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he's going to get specific now. And so here's what he says. He just goes on a, on a total list here. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, ouch, I circled that one, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's what Paul, and here's the next fill-in now as, as we continue to move forward, is, is it's this word injustice. Don't mistake freedom for enabling injustice. Paul is saying you're absolutely free to go down that path. And if you do, you need to recognize what it's leading to. So let's just tease this out a little bit. Let's just take some of these words and move them down to their end. Here's... Here, here, Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, for example. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people that have shame and regret centered around sexual, just poor choices. Think of just the divorces, about half marriages ending in divorce now. Think of the pain in families. Not, not just of the, the, the partners, not, not, not just of the adults, but rippling down to the kids. Think of the scarring and the pain represented by porn and other sexual addictions. Think of the collective stories of pain represented just in the Me Too movement or the 40.3 million sex slaves in the world today. Paul is saying these are no small things. That, 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 that vision of shalom that we've talked about, that, that, that Christ is bringing... This is totally the antithesis of it. Idolatry and sorcery. Sorcery. The Greek word is actually pharmakia. It's where we get our word pharmacy. It talks about drug use. Sorcery and drug use went hand in hand in, in, in ancient Near East right here. And here's what we see and here's what we know is that so many, so many people, so many addictions happening around substance issues. 70,000 people aren't living today because in the past year they've died of an overdose. That's in our nation. 
The list continues. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. Think of all the roads that these things can lead down and have led down. Domestic violence, immense toll on people's mental health. Systems like racism, systemic racism, isolation, school shootings, ecological destruction, disregard for human life, widespread poverty, death. That's not freedom. That is not freedom. And that's why he ends by saying anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. It's wherever Christ is king. It's where, it's where Jesus' ways are having their way. It's where, it's where justice rules and peace is present and love reigns. And Paul is saying, how could you possibly be going down this path and think that you somehow are experiencing the kingdom of God? Or rather, even bringing the kingdom of God. And so he continues with the second list. What's it look like to move into the wants, the desires of the Spirit? What's produced in that type of life? What's, it, what, what's produced when we actually move into this freedom that we've been called to? And so in verse 22, it's written, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's read these out loud together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Paul's saying, and I love it, there's one translation, the NEB takes that word fruit because sometimes it could be confused as like, bloop, the Holy Spirit did one little piece of fruit, you know, like, it's like, no, it's harvest, this idea of karpos, like, the NEB says it's, it's the harvest that's produced. It's harvest of love, a life that's abundant with love. It's, it's love in all these different forms and all these varieties, but it's love at the end of the day. And because of that, this is the final fill-in, and, and we'll begin to land it here, is that to value freedom is to value justice. That's that last fill-in. To value freedom is to value justice. Now, now here's, here, I get it. We just read a list. We read all these things of what the Spirit is producing in the life of a Jesus follower. Nowhere did we read the word justice. Here's what I would say. Here, let's, let's keep moving on this. What's produced is a life of love. So we could ask the question of, what does love require of me? To ask that question is no different than to say, what does God require of me? God is love. We see that in First John, that God is love. So what does God require of me? Well, I love it. The prophets speak to this. Psalmists speak to this. It's woven throughout scripture. It's a trend. It's something we see in all places. And it's most clearly articulated by the prophet Micah. So in Micah 6.8, this exact question gets answered. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does God the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice. Do what's right. Bring freedom. Enter into the way of Christ. It's what he's done. If what he did was reconciliation, then we do reconciliation. If what he's done is, being, is, is a mission of bringing peace, guess what? We've been given a mission of peace. And that's exactly what's being formed here. That's exactly what we value at Overlake. That's exactly what's being ex expressed. And in, in particular, if you were to even go through all these different words... Of the, of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, like all of them, 
You could do little word studies and see how these do, in fact, intersect with justice issues, with justice principles. I'll pick one, and it's the word kindness. And part of the reason I picked it was because every time I would read the fruit of the Spirit, I'm like, kindness? That's like B team. That just sounds like, eh, I don't know. It's okay, I guess, you know. Kindness is a beautiful word. It's used powerfully in Scripture. It's this word, Christotes. Christotes. Oh, it sounds so beautiful even. It's like, it sounds yummy to me for some reason. I don't know. Like I've eaten that before. I don't know. Here's the vision. Here's the word. Here's the imagery of kindness. It's shared strength. It's this alongsidedness is the imagery that you're to get. Uh, Jesus, he's, he, he says, anyone who's tired, anyone who's weary, anyone who's burdened or heavy laden, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Tell you what, take, take my yoke. In talking about the yoke, that word kindness is used. That his yoke is kind. It's well fitted. It's perfectly aligned. It's not chafing. That, that somehow we're going to do this together. It's that imagery of alongsidedness. And I see it everywhere in our church family. A couple weeks ago, I was on a Saturday morning with some parish pastors at a home in, in Kirkland there and just sharing stories of what's going on, how are, how are, how are things in the neighborhood. And, and one parish pastor, one parish leader, she, she shared how she's been having some neighborhood ladies over just to watch a, a TV show. She's like, I'm not going to tell you what TV show, but just know they're coming over and, 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 and we're sipping on maybe mojitos. I don't know. Like, and, and, and she's like, and it's become sacred space. It's become a really safe space for these women to just share what they're going through. Share what it is that they're experiencing in their own lives. That's alongsidedness. I was thinking back just this last week on Tuesday night. I know 200 of you were there as well to celebrate recovery I uh, celebrated 13 years. It was so beautiful. Yeah, it was so powerful. One of the most beautiful nights of the week here at the church is Tuesday nights and, and the work happening there. And you see alongsidedness. You see kindness fleshed out, lived out. It's beautiful. Yesterday, I was with a group of, of biblical counselors, support group leaders, as, as there was a training on how do we come alongside people who are grieving so that we come alongside them well. And it was just so beautiful to be in that space. Like, here are people who care about others enough to just learn how do we do this better? How do we do this better? I was thinking back. I wasn't able to make it. But on Thursday night, I was so proud. One of our, one of our own, and, um, Josh Blay, uh, he, he, he's on staff as well. But, and he grew up at the church, which is just really part of the cool story too. Uh, but Josh hosted a night here where 75 people came to learn about a crisis that really isn't getting a whole lot of press. There's not a lot of people talking about it. There's, there's a lot of sensitivity related to this right now. But it's a minority Muslim group in, in China that, that are finding their ways, uh, uh, not really against their own wishes, into these, these detention centers where there's really cultural strippings away. Cultural genocide is what you could call it. And so there's anywhere between one and three million of, of this people groups, the Uyghurs. You can Google them, and, and it's a bit of a strange spelling, but, but you can read and learn more about this. And Josh, in his studies, as he's getting his master's and working with some other uh, peacemaking groups, reconciliation-focused groups in the area, have created this space to do some learning, to actually listen to some stories as to what's going on and, and how this can be addressed. 
And I love that that is a value at Overlake. That we're, we, we, we aren't just getting in our holy huddle somehow insular that it, just our faith becomes about us. But it's like we've been set free because we want to live freely, not just for ourselves, but it finds its way out into this world. And it comes through enacting and working towards justice. So Overlick, I just want to end with this. And it's really just thank you. I can't imagine. I shared this with Mark Hicks this morning uh, uh, as the worship team was practicing. And I got to thinking, I was like, I don't even know what I would be like. What type of person I'd kind of be like had it not been for being a part of this journey at Overlick. Had it not been for getting to be a part of this family and how you've shaped me and your passions as, as things come online and new ministries and groups and things form, I don't know. And what I would say is if you're newer to Overlake or if you're just checking it out or if you're maybe where my wife and I were for a season of kind of dating, I would just say it's the most beautiful thing possible is to make this really the center of your life, really. This family, this church, these people. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we want to be people who are burdened with the things that, that you care about. We want to take seriously this call to love our neighbors. And so I do ask that your spirit would lead, would guide, would direct, and that we would follow, that we would be people who are sensitive to that, and that we would, we would help one another in, in what that following looks like. And so we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, now is a good opportunity to snag the connection card that Pastor Neely mentioned. And, and again, on this, you can update things that need to be updated on the front and on the back. It's always a, a, a highlight of, of my week is getting to read through the prayer requests that come through. And so please share with us what, what is going on. And, and as well as praises, as well as things that maybe you've jotted down that at this point the Lord's kind of met you on. We'd, we'd love to hear what's happened there. And, and then lastly, today might have been a day where it's like this message... This person of Jesus and, and what he's done, this, this, this reality of the cross, maybe today is a day where you want to trust. You want to begin to follow. You want to walk in that freedom. We, we would love to know. Again, on the back, on the left there, you can mark that, and we'd love to follow up. We'll collect these in a minute as buckets come by, as well as any gifts, ties, or offerings. Again, we realize that, that this living of freedom that's enacting justice requires every part of our life. Uh, we don't hold anything back, and, and that includes finances. And so thank you for being on the journey with Overlake, and, and thank you for your faithfulness when it comes to, to the financial uh, reality of things as well. Ushers, you can come forward. We'll collect these. And, and again, if it's your first time, uh, we'd love to meet you in the Connection Center afterwards. Let's continue to worship.
stand and continue to respond to the Lord this morning.
Overlake, wow. Thank you, Jessica, thank you, uh, Pat. Wow, just an amazing morning. And uh, as Jessica was leading us in that last song, the phrase, there's a place for me, resonated. I think we all wanna belong. And in God's family, there's a place for all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you look around the room, you might just take a moment to just realize that we're all part of the body of Christ. And as we pursue justice and pursue loving one another, as we leave this building, that's what we're called to do. Redmond, Kirkland, Woodenville, they're different because the Holy Spirit and Jesus is in us. So if you, uh, so my name's Mark, I'm one of the elders here. And uh, before we leave, I just want to remind you that if you want to be prayed uh, for or pray with someone, the prayer room moved a couple of weeks ago. So as you go out the doors and turn left at the bottom of the stairs, uh, so near the uh, down escalator, you'll see the prayer room. So I encourage you to stop by there. And uh, yeah, let me just close uh, this time in prayer. So Holy Spirit, as we leave this building, stir in our hearts the things you spoke to us this morning. It's in the strength of you, Lord, and the majesty of your name that we love, that we bring freedom and that we bring justice. It's not in our own strength, but yours. So through these things, your name will be made known in the city and to the ends of the earth, for God will be our peace. Amen. Have a great afternoon.